today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. And so Solomon is looking at this world and it says, there's just something basically wrong with this world. There's something that's missing and, and we can't make it up. You can't count it. It's, it's just not right. So his wisdom led him to the fact that there are inequalities and inequities in life that are unexplainable. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and It's easy to fall into the belief that the pursuit for accumulation is the answer to fulfilling purpose. If we step back and analyze the long-term results of things, we'll find that it's all meaningless. Today, Pastor Ed tells us that Solomon accomplished all things a human could hope to. And even then, he found emptiness. He exceeded in wisdom, knowledge, success, pleasure, projects, and earning money. Even then, he found that only through God could he fulfill the innate emptiness which haunts all humans. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, Chasing After the Wind. This morning, looking at verses, chapter 1, verse 12, to chapter 2, verse 26. And the title of the message is, Chasing After the Wind. You know how hard it is to herd? That when we say when something is hard to do, you ever try to herd cats? Right? You, can't, you can't do it, you know? They have a mind of their own. Well, in the Hebrew, it gives the idea of trying to shepherd or herd the wind. It's an impossibility. Solomon is talking about finding the meaning, the purpose of life. Under the sun. Would you stand with me as we read in our Bibles just one verse, but it capsulate and it captures verses 12 in chapter 1 all the way through to the end of chapter 2. One verse, chapter 2, verse 11. Solomon would say over and over again through this chapter. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. That's what happened in his futile search for purpose and meaning in life. Outside of, outside of God. Let's pray. Father, speak through your word to your people. May your word be a compass in their heart to help them navigate through this journey of life. May we learn and may we practice what Solomon communicates to us in these passages of Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We live in a consumer culture. We're told if you have a certain type of car, live in a certain type of house, 
wear certain types of clothing, have these particular things, well, you'll really be living life. You'll find meaning and purpose. And so we have this idea back in our minds that somehow it's the acquisition of things that enables us to enjoy life. Solomon looks under the sun at everything in this present world and he's going to try to find meaning in the things that so often people look for meaning. Uh, There was a a movie a while back, a film in 2002 called About Schmidt. Now, this man is... uh, Retired, and he had worked for the Omaha Insurance Company. And in the movie, uh, he's trying to find purpose and meaning. And he's supporting uh, an orphan or a child. Um, and he, he's writing this letter to this child. And he's reflecting about his life as he writes this letter to this poor child who he's sponsoring in Africa. He says, I know we're all pretty small in the big scheme of things, and I suppose that most of you hope, most of you can hope for is to make some kind of difference. But what kind of difference have I made? What in the world is better because of me? Once I'm dead and everyone who knew me dies too, it will be as though I never even existed. What difference has my life made to anyone? None that I could think of. Hope things are fine with you. Yours truly, Warren Smith. Or Schmidt, Warren Schmidt. He's looking at his life and wondered and wondering, what really have I done? What really have I accomplished? Now, if we go to another continent, we could read the words of a man who hit a midlife crisis when he turned 50. You'll know his name. Let me just read to you what this novelist said. My question, that which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide, was the simplest of questions living in the soul of every man, a question without an answer to which one cannot live. It was, what will come of what I am doing today or tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why wish for anything or do anything? I can also be expressed thus. Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? Those were the words of the novelist Leo Tolstoy. That question plagues most people. And especially as you get older, you look at life and you wonder, what is it all about? We live in one of the richest nations of the world. We have houses and cars and good medical. We have so much as a nation, freedoms that we enjoy, but yet 
suicide rate is climbing. In fact, among men 50 and older, it's increased 50%. More people die of suicide than in car accidents. There's a sense that, is there really meaning? Is there really purpose to life? Viktor Frankl, uh, the writer, counselor, reflecting on his days in the concentration camp, said, if you have a reason to live, if you find meaning in life, you could withstand almost anything. And that he did. And Solomon is going to take us on a journey, a search. He's going to say, let's look at what people generally look at for meaning. And the first thing he wants us to look at is the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge in order to find meaning. But he finds out that it is futile. Wisdom and knowledge, it's futile. Verse 16, I said to myself, look, I am wiser than all the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. Now, this wasn't just boastful pride. I mean, he was accurate. In the book of Kings, where it recounts his life, as a young man, he has this dream, and God comes to him and says, Solomon, you can have anything you want. And what Solomon asked God for is wisdom to guide and to govern and to rule the people of the nation of Israel. And here's what God said. God says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. There will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked, riches and honors, so that in your lifetime, there'll be no king equal to you. Now, later on in chapter 4 of 1 Kings, uh, it says, God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. He writes 1,005 songs, 3,000 proverbs. Uh, this man is absolutely brilliant, And he decides to take his brilliance, his mind, his intellect, and he applies it. He actually devotes it. I mean, he's really going to give it his best shot. He's going to try and understand the meaning of life from wisdom under the sun and knowledge under the sun. It's not the same as wisdom in the book of Proverbs, wisdom that includes and is involved in the fear of God. No, no, this is the type of wisdom that you find on Oprah Winfrey. You find it on Dr. Phil. You just find it in the halls of learning. So he's going to say, I'm going to plummet the depths of wisdom. And so he does that. And, and as he's doing it, he, he creates two proverbs to sum up his experience. They're found in that that first chapter. The first one is this. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. What he was saying is he came to realize that some things are just, they're twisted. They're not right. And you can't straighten it out. All of us 
have in some sense experienced that. You know something is wrong and you can't make it right. Now, many times it's a result of the fall. It's a result that sin has come into this world and you just know it's not supposed to be this way. It shouldn't be this way, but you just can't change it. And then he goes on to say in that Proverbs, what is lacking cannot be counted. The idea is that there is a, this world is in bankruptcy. And he doesn't have enough coinage in his pocket. He doesn't have enough coinage in the bank to somehow make up for that great debt. There's something missing in life. It's lost when we lost paradise. It's lost when we as a race left and were thrown out of the garden. And so Solomon is looking at this world and it says, there's just something basically wrong with this world. There's something that's missing and, and we can't make it up. You can't count it. It's, it's just not right. So his wisdom led him to the fact that there are inequalities and inequities in life are unexplainable. And then he gives another proverb. His pursuit of wisdom was this. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. The idea of that is this. The more you learn, the more you get discouraged. You go to school to become a counselor. You learn all these great techniques and all of these psychological tests and all of these things that, I'm going to help people. And then you find out it is hard. You may have the answer. You may know some of it. But you say, man. Or you come into this church as a new member. I just think this is the greatest church on earth. And then you get to know some of the people. (laughs) Hey, it's so great. No, no, you get to know, they're like me. <laughs> and with knowledge comes this understanding that, boy, it's a burden. And, and then earlier in the text, it says, God put this burden on the. There's this desire for us to know, to understand. And when we pursue that, we find out it's empty. There's just something wrong with this world that we're living in. There's something wrong with this life. T.S. Eliot put it this way. All our knowledge brings us nearer to our ignorance. So also what happens is we realize, oh, there's so many things I don't know. I just know that I've learned more that I know a lot less than I thought I know. And so he looks at everything and he recognizes it's not there. So you're not going to go to Harvard, to Yale, to Princeton, and suddenly find in those libraries and in those classes the answers to life. You're not going to plummet. Oh, the, the gold mine of wisdom and knowledge. And, and you know, we know more about things today than we ever did in history. We understand human nature more. We understand uh, the world we live in more. But it doesn't really give us the why of things. I might know a lot about what is this, what is, but 
the, the son, and that's what Solomon is actually saying. He says, I've seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after wind. It's just going. Can't catch it. Can't lay hold of it. So wisdom and knowledge are not the path. Getting another PhD or doctorate. Look, Germany had more PhDs than any other country before the Second World War. Didn't keep them from following a madman. Solomon looks at it and says, the chasing after it's not there. So then he turns and he looks at life and he says, well, maybe pursuing success. But he discovers the pursuit of the successful life in order to find meaning and purpose. That is futile too. Uh, Listen to what the text says. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. He's going to say, wait a minute, success. That's what they tell you it is. You know, just first thing he looks at is pleasure. He didn't have stereos in his days. He didn't have an entertainment system in his day. He couldn't watch things on HDTV. So what he did was he hired choirs and actors and comedians, and they performed in his house. They were all on the payroll. So he got tired at night, wanted to hear some good music, get that choir up, sing. He wanted entertainment. Well, let's get the actors out, the comedians. He he did all of those things. And he, well, then he said, well, pleasure. He thinks about sex. And he gets married, 700 wives, over 300 concubines. That's a lot of, I mean, think about that for a moment, guys. (laughs) Think about the trouble that would cause you. I mean, every day you'd have to remember somebody's anniversary (laughs) or somebody's birthday. (laughs) I mean, it was like... But it's all empty. It it leaves him just futile, empty. There's nothing there. And so he he looks at that and says, it's not there. You think in our times, one of the most um, well-known people was Ernest Hemingway. I mean, Ernest, Ernest Hemingway filled his life with everything. You know, you'd read about him sipping wine in Paris or on a safari in Africa. Or hunting grizzlies in Alaska. Or fishing in the Keys of Florida. But he committed suicide. And and he leaves a suicide note. And I won't read it the way he wrote it. But uh, this this is what he says. Life is one just thing after another. Just repetition. It's empty. He committed suicide, his father committed suicide, and his brother committed suicide. Because they realized that they were trying to get something out of life that life was never meant to deliver. They were trying to get something out of pleasure that was beyond what God made it to give. Whenever we look to mind something more than what God meant it... He's not saying, you know, there aren't beautiful things in life. But what happened is he made them into a God. He, he came to a place where he said, okay, 
That's where I'm going to derive meaning from. See, there's nothing under the sun that will give us purpose and meaning and rhyme or reason for our lives. Well, then he said, okay, wait a minute. It must be projects. I'm going to build. I mean, he built. It took a decade to build his house. And he built not just one house, but homes. He wanted one home to have a certain view over the countryside, maybe another home over here to have this other view. I mean, he, he was lavish. And he didn't have to lift a finger because he had all sorts of people working for him in those homes. And then he built parks and gardens. I mean, they were just absolutely beautiful. What he was trying to find is significance in what he built. I want you just to pause and think about how we often try and find significance with the work of our hands. I can think of my home church, beautiful church. They sacrificed greatly to build and take over an old Dutch Reformed church. They refurbished it. It is absolutely beautiful. Congregation was over 500 in attendance, and they took this building and they worked for years on it, and it was absolutely pristine. Six acres of land in Brooklyn in a nice area. That's incredible. But then the pastor died, and there were inner church conflict. Very few people that were there when that church was built. I would say hardly any now, are there today. Our church, we built a beautiful church on Market Street. They, they worked hard, then they built one on Hooker Avenue here, and we enjoy this beautiful sanctuary. But if what we're doing is building things for our own ego and satisfaction, they're all dust and ashes. It's simply gone. He realized that it, because Solomon built an incredible temple. It was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> but every stern stone was overturned. It was, it was demolished. What Solomon was trying to do is find meaning in, in building. Now, he would have made Architects Magazine. Uh, he would have been in Fortune Magazine for all of his wealth. Uh, he, he just... He undertook these great, great projects. But really, what he was saying, it just simply left him empty. And then he says, okay, maybe it's possessions. And the text says this, I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. So he's just going to get a whole bunch of money. Now, if you went to his house, you wouldn't drink out of silver. No, not on his house. Only gold goblets. Only the best. Is the accumulation of money going to satisfy him? His, his wealth, his riches. And it's a chasing after wind. It's empty. We sometimes think the way he did. Oh, if only I had another 100,000 in my 401 or 403. Well, if I just could have another $50,000 in the bank there, you know, that's going to be it. Is it? 
is it? That's all we have time for today on Building in Faith Radio and invite you to join us again. In the meantime, we'd love to keep in touch with you. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. We're here to join with you in prayer for whatever is going on in your life or to answer any questions you may have about how you could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That phone number again is 845-462-5955. Be sure to check out our website as well at buildinginfaithradio.com. There, you'll find messages from previous series available to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. We know that God is using the Building in Faith radio ministry to spread the good news of the gospel, but we encourage you to not let this be your only source for spiritual guidance. Reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers are all extremely beneficial to anyone who wishes to grow closer to God. By getting plugged in with a local church, you'll also be able to bless others by sharing your unique gifts. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and don't have a church family, we welcome you to join us here at Faith Assembly. For location information, service times, and a calendar of other great upcoming events, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com and click on Back to Home page. That's all we have time for today, but join us next time right here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the pages of Ecclesiastes. Your word restores.